0: Hello humans. (laughs) Welcome to uh episode 41 of your Power Report. I'm Dan from the Internet and this is Power Report Live. Uh if you can't tell from the uh shakiness that and the little bit off-kiltiness that I'm doing here. Uh but we're doing a special live episode because of the situation that's going on in Ukraine, the breaking news that happened over the past twenty-four hours or so at the time of recording this on uh, the twenty-fourth of February. Yesterday Russia um, officially started essentially a military invasion on the eastern, northern, and southern fronts of the country of Ukraine. This is after months of tensions that we uh, just covered on a previous episode of Power Report, but... We really want to cover this from the full angle. Just talking about getting people up to speed from what happened just in the past couple of hours. Uh, Some of Putin's motives in this because I think it's important to analyze where Putin is coming from. Of course, not in a defense of Putin, but it's important to understand what he is actually saying because you're not going to get that in regular media. We then turn to, speaking of regular media, they are failing again when it comes to war. They always do this. Um, It's ridiculous, honestly, that um, American media have not learned the lessons of the past 20 years plus um, of what happens when you have such a like, ruined war machine. But we're going to actually go into some comments that Biden gave and some questions that came from the media that I think are really interesting. And then we're going to look into a little bit of like what to watch out for in the coming days and weeks. Stuff we'll be watching out for, on for Power Report, stuff uh, we think uh, viewers should look out for because it's going to be a very confusing media environment uh, for the next couple of days weeks as we're going into this and uh, it, it's really something where professionals should be trusted here and we want to show that we can have trust earn your trust here because we've been seasoned and looking at these things for a long period of time and now we just kind of you know have the courage and the gall to broadcast and when i say we have of course talking about um my wonderful co-host bam who joins me here bam how's it going
1: well you know it could be better but it's not the worst
0: i absolutely agree with you um you, how how are you doing personally and then how are you reacting to the news how about that let's start with those uh aspects here
1: well it it always makes me sad to see um uh, any military incursion um and i think anybody gets stressed out a bit from it you try to kind of you know not get too freaked out but you know whenever you see fighter jets and you know military personnel and tanks and like crossing borders, you hear explosions it it always stresses you out. you never know what's going to come from it, and you kind of just hope that you know it won't last that long but i'm i'm
0: I'm holding up yeah, I agree with you as well it's uh obviously sudden I was went back and listened to our Uh, episode of power report that we did just i think we released it last week or so but we talked about the lead up to this tension and i liked a lot about what we did in that coverage there but we um did what a lot of people on you know left of center media coverage did which was we applied a healthy amount of skepticism to the idea that you know what we were getting from u.s intelligence sources um, NATO intelligence sources was fully trustworthy and that they were not just trying to drum up a potential conflict with Russia Uh, only because we've been we've seen such a similar measure happen in different administrations over the past 20 years in both parties despite all the talk and saying we want to do better we want to promote peace on the world stage first we always get war hawkish administrations um, and so we were expecting the same thing, but- we're essentially saying that you know there's always the possibility of a Russian invasion in Ukraine, but like a lot of people on the left, we were very doubtful of that um and i i I still feel that like you should have skepticism for those. For a lot of what the U.S. government and the U.S. media is saying, we're going to get to that very soon later in this broadcast, which should be you know fairly short. I want to keep it around an hour, but I also feel like it's important to admit when we mess things up—not necessarily mess things up, but like we, we get—I mean, definitely mess things up because now there's a war here, and you, people are have passed, unfortunately. Um, there's, a, we'll get into some details in a moment, but there are casualties, and they'll continue to mount, but. I, I, I go on.
1: Like I was, you know, honestly, I was being hopeful too. Like, you know, obviously you can't manifest, you know, you you don't know what's going to happen, what Putin's going to do, but like, you know, you're just hopeful that it doesn't go as bad as you think it could. And I feel like for me being in someone who pays attention to geopolitics and things for a very long time, I'm, I'm still traumatized from the 2003 Iraq war. Like that, I remember those days leading up to the invasion, where Bush was saying, "We're not going to invade Iraq. We're not going to invade Iraq. We'll give them two days. We'll give them three days." And then it just all of a sudden it just happened. And I just remember saying, "Like, okay, you know, he's saying that it's going to be maybe a couple weeks, and then then it'll be over." And it lasted, you know, till today. The forever basically.
0: war. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, a part of the reason. I was saying that I don't think it's going to happen. I can admit that part of that was me being hopeful that it wouldn't happen. But I was wrong.
0: And, and I think that's, we're all very much there. Um, also, I see some people in chat. Um, there's 10 mustache man who says hi. Hello there. We want to interact with people. I also see Sean in the chat on YouTube. Uh, Sean on Power Report. Uh, happy to have you on in the show here. Um, definitely reach out in the chat, ask questions. We want to keep this to be a live and engaging thing, especially because uh, Power Report Live is something we want to do more of in the future. But to what you were saying just now, I think we were all hopeful that, you know, we're usually hopeful as, you know, decent leftists that we're able to avoid conflict whenever possible. But unfortunately, with the world we live in, that isn't always possible. So I want to right now get into just like a top level bit of reporting from the Associated Press. So... um Currently, what they're covering right now is that Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine that opened uh, with air and missile strikes on Ukrainian military facilities before troops and tanks rolled across borders from the northeast and south. Kind of like I was saying earlier, uh, reading from this report from Vanessa Gerov AP. The Ukrainian military fought back on multiple fronts, but President Zelensky said in a video address early Friday uh, that 137 people, both servicemen and civilians, have been killed and hundreds more wounded. A senior U.S. Defense, of, f- defense official said Russia may be intent on seizing Kiev, the capital, and other key cities, and ultimately installing a more friendly government. And as Ukrainian forces fought back as and civilians piled into trains and cars to flee, U.S. and European leaders rushed to punish Russia with strong financial sanctions as NATO moved to strengthen its eastern flank. So that's kind of the situation right now. And, yeah, it's very tense. You have a lot of ukrainians who are hiding in or taking refuge in shelters that are essentially their subway systems that double bomb shelters for exactly this kind of reason and then you have another number of ukrainians who are being given that uh so-called lethal aid that we were talking about uh to basically say okay we are now a militia we can like take up arms against the russians who are trying to take over our country uh in the most literal sense of um the phrase here um so, I think, and also, uh, tan mustache man, I see your question. I'm gonna get read some details in argue article five real quick as we start to um, do this, so I can start to answer it as smartly as I can. But I, as we start this conflict here, and as you know, things are starting to unravel. Bam! I know we got some of your thoughts from the beginning here, but what are some other things you're thinking about as? this incursion sort of begins and as we've started with its first day here
1: well it was pretty telling to see that um the russian military is pretty serious they're using long-range missiles and i feel like when you are you know willing to use long-range missiles that you've accepted civilian casualties and like the backlash that's going to come from having multiple civilian uh, civilian casualties um you know it it looks like they're trying to target military installations and things like that and but you know we've seen like I think it said over 40 Ukrainian soldiers killed, and who I haven't seen anything about civi- civilian casualties yet. Um, and I think you mentioned that it's kind of hard to know like what's like the valid videos and pictures that are coming out right now because it is kind of the fog of war stage. But for sure, when you're using long-range missiles, there's going to be civilian casualties no matter what. Um, and that's scary because I feel like there's limit, there, there's a limit to what the Russian military is going to be like, quote unquote, allowed to do. Um, but if we see things that we've seen in the past, like the American military has done, uh, embassies getting bombed and places where it's just full of civilians. I, I like That's the thing that could turn this, what's looking like a fairly minor russian invasion to something that could become like a really really big deal where where other nations feel obligated to get involved
0: and that's kind of where one of our viewer questions comes in. So Tan the Mustache Man writes, what's the actual probability that Russia goes for a NATO country to trigger Article 5? Article 5 in the NATO agreement referring to basically if one member of NATO is attacked, we all respond. And then um, further answering that point, as I know, you'll probably like this bit, Bam. I, uh, again, quoting Tan the Mustache Man. I have seen people on the left saying both yes, we should fully expect this, and no, there's no way that happens because Russia only wants Ukraine. Uh so so bam, to that point, what do you think? Oof,
1: you know, it it's we're supposed we're gonna talk about Putin's motives, and answering that question, I feel like I have to discuss that to some to some extent. It's really hard to know what the motives are, um, but do i think that he would attack any nato country i i don't think so but i also didn't think that he would be using long-range missiles and having any kind of bombing around kiev like i did not think that that was going to happen um i i don't like it's it's hard to do an uh, occupation it's really really difficult it's very very expensive I am uh, old enough to remember. Well, I didn't know about it at the time, but when Russia was fighting a a civil war in in Chechnya, they could barely, and that's within Russia, they could barely afford that occupation. There was Russian soldiers begging in the streets of Grozny uh, because they couldn't get food or like they, they weren't getting paid. So I don't, I don't really think that Russia can afford an occupation. In Ukraine, let alone going into NATO countries, like uh, the other NATO countries that are bordering Ukraine.
0: Yeah, I, on the one hand, Bam, hopefully, I mean, I I feel like I'm applying some of your cautious optimism that you had a little bit earlier. Maybe, hopefully that isn't a bad thing, but I really think that, you know, I don't, I'm not, I can't. I'm not going to pretend to be in the shoes of Vladimir Putin to know what his end game is here, right? So I can't really speak to the motivations. If I were him, I wouldn't have incurred an invasion on Ukraine, knowing that the other countries are going to respond. But, you know, I think also knowing him, Putin is one of those world leaders of a couple now who has the ability and the candor to sort of test the waters internationally with what he can get away with when it comes to military conflicts. I think Kim Jong-un is another example with this. I think you could argue that uh, in China's Xi Jinping could be um, uh, arguable to this. Also the United States. I-, I would fully put the United States in this category too, that we, we get a little bit too uppity with our military sometimes. And that's like when not- I'm not going to apologize for that, just because I live in the United States, I'm a f- fiercely critical of the American imperial state and I will continue to be. But Vladimir Putin, even though he's giving a lot of strong talk, and we'll get into this like very shortly, about how if the United States uh, or if anyone tries to stop Russia and what it's doing in Ukraine, then Russia's response will be swift. And oh, by the way, we have nukes. I'm paraphrasing, but these are all things that Vladimir Putin mentioned in his speech, you know, right, Um, in his response to this. I I think he knows that, you know, we still live in the world of mutually assured destruction If Russia starts with nukes, then we start with nukes, and that's just game over for the planet, honestly. If not the planet, major parts of the world. Um, And so neither side really wants that. Uh, And so I I think it's... We're going to get into the Putin response, but right now the American response is largely about... And the global response is largely about sanctions and economic sanctions and bleeding out Russia that way, doing everything you can up to firing or doing anything that could be assumed perceived as a war aggression against russia and i think it's in russia's best interest to not do anything further than go to ukraine because if they start shooting things that are outside of ukraine and it starts getting assumed that oh maybe vladimir putin has intentions beyond attacking ukraine then unfortunately this could spiral into a larger mess where uh we are sending american troops we already have american Troops uh, supporting NATO station um, in Poland right now and heading to Poland. So that could be an escalating situation, a rapidly escalating and deteriorating situation that I hope to the bottom of my heart does not happen. But those that's what's on the table.
1: I mean, even thinking about just mentioning Russian interests, like, does Putin care? I mean, it's what he's doing now is not in the Russian interests. Like, there's, it's impossible to think, okay, how is this going to help Russia? How is this going to help Russian people? The motives that he stated, like what the, the reasons are silly. So like just thinking about it from our point of view or like even any kind of, um, you know, imperialist point of view, like the reasons why America has done things like this or any other country, his there's, there's no good reason. and And it's funny because... Even watching uh, many European leaders and watching um, was it the UN Security Council meeting? I, I think it was Security Council. Um, a lot of the leaders are just like confused more than anything. Like they just don't understand why this would be the course of action. So, what are what are the interests? No idea.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a great segue to move into the Putin stuff, and I want to start with a viewer question. So. Um, Saman dragon asks, it seems like Putin has take all taken all the pundits by surprise is somebody that unpredictable, maybe just insane. So that's a certain play right here that we're getting at it is uh, Vladimir Putin's motives as he is doing this uh, military movement into Ukraine from the north from the south from the east, trying to, you know, do it under the guise of their independent states that are claiming independence from Ukraine that now russia is trying to take sovereignty over when in reality there's corrupt backroom political deals um vladimir putin not to get ahead of things he's saying that he's trying to do this to get rid of uh ukrainian nationalists who are trying to work against russia and take down russia like from the inside when in reality vladimir putin is playing to russian nationalists an increasingly small but very oligarchic part of russian society um who are fearless among the worst in the world on quashing dissent from journalists from politicians from protesters and with vladimir putin in the state right now he's giving away all of this you know nonsense doublespeak about what his real motives are but i think it is actually possible to dissect some of his motives and I think what it gets down to is a warped version of history, a warped sense of history. I don't think any uh, Amer- casual American political viewer should be surprised in the idea that a politician of uh, major stature, especially one who has been able to subvert elections and allow themselves to stay in power multiple decades, such as Vladimir Putin, uh, you know, has maybe a warped sense of history, especially over the years they get on in age. Uh, all of our politicians do. Also in America, all American politicians have a warped sense of history. That's why I'm trying to say... It should be easy for people to imagine this. And so, again, Vladimir Putin, you can only take him for, you know, what his... You have to calculate what he's saying and what his actions are with, you know, reality. And the first part of his big speech had to do a lot with, you know... um, (laughs) we want to protect Russian interests in the region and we, we care about Russian. you know, like it's basically make Russia great again, kind of stuff he's talking about. But the next part is he's saying, you know, in the Soviet union, my predecessors, Vladimir Putin speaking, my predecessors were way too nice to Ukraine in giving Ukraine its sovereignty and independence. They should have never making that mistake. They should have never given Ukraine the opportunity or the choice to have that kind of sovereignty. They're saying thing or Putin saying things like, um, he starts, it's being construed in American media like the new Soviet Union. But make no mistake, this would not be some leftist utopia or leftist counterpower to Russia. This would be a new Russian hyper-capitalist superpower, just like all of the superpowers are hyper-capitalist Russia, United States, and China are today. And so uh, I think when you start to peel the layers of this onion here, you get a lot of warped history and... Bam, I know that's kind of where you have a lot of insight into this as well, or at least an angle where you want to get into this. And so I'll let you go in.
1: No, I don't actually. No, I'm joking. Um,
0: Yeah, when I heard that part when he's talking
1: about um, basically the history of what Ukraine is or was, it just reminded me of Saddam Hussein when he was uh, talking about Kuwait and his motivations for invading Kuwait saying that you know Kuwait was a creation of the West and it's not real and you know they're stealing our oil um that didn't really work out too well for Saddam Hussein in the that nineteen ninety one and in the future but um it like I, I think the person is like is he insane you know it, it's i I'm not gonna say he's insane but it's just really um it just doesn't make sense. Like historically, yeah, Ukraine was one of the major uh, parts of the Soviet Union. you know Ukraine is has a lot to had a lot to offer to the Soviet Union. you know it's one of the major producers of wheat and it has like this super fertile, fertile soil, which is why um, Hitler wanted Ukraine. But um, you know, they have a lot of minerals and all these different things. But it wasn't like Ukraine was uh, just some, it wasn't, it wasn't some backwater that was being like propped up by, you know, it it held its own, so to speak. So yeah, the historical part is completely warped. And, um, you know, him saying the denazification of Ukraine, it's like, there are a lot of people running with that, that I've seen, but yeah. Like you said, it's not going to be like, you know, if, if, if uh, the Russian government takes over Ukraine, it's not going to be some like leftist paradise with no Nazis or neo-Nazis. They got neo-Nazis in Russia, too. And even Vladimir, the, the Vladimir Putin is not like some, you know, uh, fl- flower boy uh, hippie. You know, he's a right wing nationalist with the best of them.
0: I I I I hear you on that. Like that that has to be recognized. That if you actually think that Vladimir Putin is on a mission to weed out nationalism in Eastern Europe, you, you literally have not been paying attention to politics at all for the past five or ten years. You're just LARPing with a hammer and sickle emoji in your Twitter profile. Like it's
1: he's, he's, he gravitates towards the most racist, the most nationalist, the most anti immigrant. Like any, any politician in Europe that has that rhetoric, you will get support from Vladimir Putin, and you will get an invite to Russia.
0: Yeah, and so I, I think the answer to that question that we had from um, Sam and Dragon, like I, I think the, the the I think some of the pundits are surprised that you know he would make this act of Russian of like you know Russian aggression. I don't mean to like start to racialize this in any way, but he would make this act of northern aggression. <laughs> I mean if you think about it t- t- compared to where Ukraine is geographically it's technically north in aggression but um you know the south will rise again but um the, <laughs> the, the the angle with this with Putin is I think that you know he's one of those like I was saying earlier he is one of those world leaders that pushes the boundaries who else pushes the boundaries on the world stage uh China uh North Korea uh the United States <laughs> Like it cannot be emphasized enough that the many nations, much like Ukraine, are as freaked out by the idea of the United States invading them as the Ukraine as Ukraine is of Russia invading them. All right, because we've done it so much, we've done it systematically. (laughs) You wanna know the last time we did it? The last time we were in a big battle with Russia, and we started doing like these little proxy battles here and there because we didn't want you know U.S. and Russia to actually fight, fight. So, we had other little battles everywhere else. That, that is the nearby history that I think is coming here as well. And so, the part where you have here where it's like the things that Putin is using as pretext could have been done or said years ago, I, I think that's true. Where like Putin is running out of actual, you know, logical arguments here because this isn't a logical expedition.
1: You know, it's funny, too, because um, the uh, Zelensky, that's the Ukrainian president's name, yeah. probably pronouncing it terribly, but um, who is also Jewish. I don't know if he how he feels about the Nazis, uh, but um, when he got elected, he was criticized for one. I, I don't know if he did meet with people in the Russian government or Putin or he wanted to. Um, kind of like unilaterally, like himself, like to do peace negotiations, and he was kind of reprimanded. It was a bit of a controversy in Ukraine. um, I don't think that Zelensky is like some big opponent to russia like that. um you know, whatever putin and you know everything that happened in two thousand and fourteen was uh was madness, you know it, it's hard to know like it was hard to know what was real back then, and it's still kind of hard to know what's real now. But you know, you did have some breakaway regions, and you know, there was an idea that in parts of Ukraine, Russia did have popular support. If he, if he was talking about denazification and the threat to Russia from Ukraine, which is really non-existent, it seems like he would have done whatever he was trying to do then. Now, you know, years later, there's really just nothing going on for him to want to say that we need to invade Ukraine. If it's now, obviously, he's talking about Ukraine joining NATO. I, per, I don't think that Ukraine's ever going to join NATO. And, and it would have made more sense if he, like if he's saying, OK, we're going to invade until you guys promise that Ukraine isn't going to join NATO. Whatever. Buddy. NATO is going to be on your borders regardless. Like You're going to have a threat from NATO as long as NATO exists. It's not just if Ukraine is in NATO, now we're in trouble. NATO is in Poland. NATO is in Turkey. Turkey Turkey has the largest military in NATO. They're right there. So none of these things that he's saying make any sense. I'm not a big supporter of NATO. I don't think NATO has any reason to exist. But it does exist. And, yeah, there's been many nations that have joined since, um, you know, it's been, been claimed that it, there weren't going to be any more nations that joined. If that was the biggest issue, I just feel like that would have been the focus all the time and not like, uh, you know, I feel like if that's really what he cared about, Putin wouldn't, wouldn't have involved himself in Syria. He wouldn't care. Okay, that's over there, but I'm just concerned about NATO on my borders, you know? So I just think he's, I mean, he's a liar. Um, He's disingenuous. I've listened to many of his speeches. I've heard him say a million different things. Um, And, you know, I have like, I'm like, like, I really just don't like this person. There's something in particular you talked about that has nothing to do with this that made me upset at him. Uh, Maybe later I'll say it. But yeah, the motives, the pretext is all cap
0: i i agree with you fully I, again leftists who think that vladimir putin is your friend he is a lying rich billionaire politician with a yacht just like the rest of them so uh be <laughs> careful about that i want to go to some uh comments here uh hermit Permit's been going off on youtube saying uh putin doesn't want to be surrounded by nato but he is now going to have a border surrounded by three nato countries he's living in soviet world war ii times Uh, he also notes that yes uh, the ukrainian prime minister is jewish and in saying that it's purely about putin being the leader he always wanted to be and that he thinks russia deserves he wants to be Lenin part two in my honest opinion and i i think there's a lot to that a lot of um you know a lot of these leaders have a lot of ego we saw that with Donald Trump, but honestly, you see that with Joe Biden. They're very concerned about their legacy and what legacy they leave. They're concerned about. Um, most politicians want to uh, project strength and power. <laughs> so that's really a lot of what Vladimir Putin's all about. He's like that strongman kind of tendency, and you see that in, um, you know, some of the reaction that you're getting to these protests and to what's going on here. Um, some of the stuff that I'll play in just a bit here is, um, some of what little video we are getting out of, um, Russia right now. Wait, I want to just mute it so I can like talk over it, but you're seeing a lot of people here who are really and narrate for the podcast audience you're seeing just a massive crowd just hundreds of people in um saint petersburg i believe who are in russia who are russian citizens who are protesting against this military involvement and i think it's pretty remarkable especially considering how often you see you know uh the russian there we go how often you see the um Russian police respond against protesters, and in fact, that's a lot of what you were getting um, here, Ralph show. um protesters are being arrested. They are being rounded into vans in typical fashion as you know what happens in these cases. You show that you are dissenting against what the government is doing in Russia, and this is how they will respond. And so what I want to say here is that There is some solidarity that can be had between, you know, regular people in the United States and not with the Russian government, but with Russians in general, you know, everyday Russians who it looks like more of them are against these actions that are just like fake bullish, fake, you know, posturing on the world stage than there are who are going to be, you know, loud and bolstering and supportive of these actions
1: yeah i i did see that there were there were, have been a lot of protests uh it, specifically i saw in st petersburg i guess there's probably some in moscow and other cities as well but um you know we p- people in america tend to have some kind of like um this view of people in different countries that we don't really know much about that the the regular citizens are some kind of like um robots who just listen to everything their government says generally the public is anti-war everywhere um you know your average person doesn't see any benefit from a war in ukraine like the, like your your average russian citizen they're not going to not going to see that as like oh yeah that's really going to help us out um and just like here in um 2003 when the iraq war whatever those protests were that happened in iraq war here in america you had millions of people out in the street um even though there was a lot of pro-war sentiment at that time. There were a lot of people that's like, that's not going to do anything for me. And it's just going to kill innocent people that have nothing to do with the situation. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to see those protests that happen in Russia because yeah, there's a lot of people there that are 100% against the war and they're not so supportive of their government, just like people around the world.
0: They're, they're regular
1: people, just like you and me.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, glad that we are at least getting an opportunity to start to redefine that for people because american propaganda has been so good at getting even you know so called well-meaning liberals to think these you know sort of blanket statements about people in other countries that they probably haven't revisited having experienced Trump. Like uh, a lot of liberals talk about, oh, you know, uh, you know, pre-COVID. I I go abroad and I have to tell people, you know, I'm I'm American, but I don't agree with all that stuff going on with Trump and whatnot. Imagine that. And that's what a lot of other countries are right now. A lot of countries are have people who are upset with their leaders. They get elected because of a number of different factors. It's not always political disengagement like it is the United States. But um, it's important to note there isn't like this uniform support of Vladimir Putin. But there is a lot of support among Russian nationalists and oligarchs who are continually benefited by the Putin regime. And I should tell you what you need to know, not only about um a lot not everything you need to know about russian politics but a good like top level primer as well as uh global politics and the patterns that do work across country to country it's the rich and powerful benefiting themselves often at the behest of what the working class and everyone else wants in that country um but on the war machine this, this, this is the segment i love because bam and i uh oh there is one last thing i'll get to on this and so uh tan mustache man writes on twitch you think there's any chance the protests by the Russian people actually do any good? I'm so worried for them. And I I think it's good to see this on the global stage. Uh but I'm there's some buzzing going on, on your end, I think. But um I'm not sure. What uh, that just ended. Okay. Anyways, um but basically what I was getting at is it's good that you have these images of people in the streets and they're willing to risk their lives obviously because people get disappeared all the time uh protesting this and you're getting these things images shown globally i think for a public that is you know not listening to propaganda from certain parts of the media that are very war hawkish it'll be beneficial but yeah i share your worry very much with these people because there are extreme consequences to dissent in russia
1: yeah, um, I think um, Putin and the government there in Russia would love for their citizens to be apathetic. Um, I think that's kind of the way they push their people to be apathetic about things like this, but it makes me really happy to see that they're not and they're out there in the street putting boots on the ground um, protesting the war. I'm sure we'll hear soon from some kind of Russian media outlet that they were actually protesting supporting the war. But. Um, Yeah, you know, it's nice to see that they're not scared, you know, they're not they're not going to be afraid of, you know, some guy just because he has some kind of like police combat gear, um, you know, they're going to speak their piece. And, you know, there's a part of me that says, like, yeah, you should be scared for them. But if they're not scared, then I'm not scared, you know?
0: Yeah, it it harkens back to the also, Bam, could you tilt your your camera down just like a smidge? Uh, But. I, it reminds me of the Black Lives li- like split the that that's good that works. Um, it reminds me of the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 where people were like, black people saw you know people getting beat up left and right in the streets and protesters kept showing out night after night after night because they weren't feared they wanted to be heard whether it meant that they were going to be the ones next to get like beaten by police or taken america had squads where like there are white unmarked vans and people were uh getting disappeared for a little bit here and there right so uh to to the belief that america is above this especially having seen the past four years should this should start to be a wake-up call and connecting points for people nevertheless people who haven't learned things from the past several years are the American press who continue to be uh, shiesty warmongers for their sponsors day in and day out at the defense contractors, the pharmaceutical companies and uh, you know, everyone else who sponsored them. And so Bam and I got to watch some of the coverage that was going on. And we actually saw something that made us pretty impressed that uh, essentially Joe Biden was giving this press conference talking about, you know, America's involvement in the global response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And, you know, (laughs) I as a leftist have a lot of opportunities. Probably my default mode is to figure out, okay where is Joe Biden going wrong? What could Joe Biden be doing better? But I came away from this uh, speech very thoroughly impressed, not only by the way that Joe Biden was not stumbling on things, knowing when to stop himself before he was going to get a little bit off candor, but knew the tone of the situation and stayed on message to say, listen, we are going to enact very tough sanctions that we have teamed up with other parts of the country. We're going to strain the most wealthy people in Russia as much as we can with their assets. And we're going to do everything we can up to firing bullets ourselves to show Russia that there are extreme, and, and other countries, by the way, they are extreme... Cu- consequences for taking part in many of these actions however like we were saying earlier in this uh stream that we're doing most regular people are not interested in a war most regular people are not interested in the united states getting into another conflict whether that's united states citizens or people around the world we're done with team america world police and so we don't and most countries don't want to put their People who are just coming out of COVID, who have economic anxieties of their own, they don't want to put them on the battle lines right now for this uh, Russian-Ukrainian conflict or whatever it might unfortunately develop into. And so, given that, I think Joe Biden was smart here in deflecting a bunch of nonsense that you were getting here from a lot of these po- um, people in the press who were asking questions. Not all the questions were bad, but I, I want to start playing. I have four clips here that I want to play from the uh, address that was Joe Biden gave uh, just a day after this invasion started happening, because I feel like you start to get the tone of the media almost just vying, just so horny for war, that it's disgusting, we, we just gotta call it out here. So let me get this first clip ready again. This is Joe Biden speaking um, to reporters shortly after all the Ukraine stuff is happening.
1: The next question is, did you underestimate Putin? And would you still describe him the way that you did in the summer as a worthy adversary?
2: At the time, he was, I made it clear as an adversary, and I said he was worthy. I didn't underestimate him. And I've read most of everything he's written. Did you read the, I shouldn't, I'm not a wise guy. The, you, you heard the speech he made, almost an hour's worth of speeches. why he was going into Ukraine. He has much larger ambitions in Ukraine. He wants to, in fact, reestablish the former Soviet Union. That's what this is about. And I think that his, uh, his ambitions uh, are, are completely contrary to the place where the rest of the world has arrived.
1: And, and you're confident that these devastating sanctions are going to be as devastating as Russian missiles and bullets and tanks?
2: Yes. Russian bullets, missiles, and tanks in Ukraine.
0: Yes, I am. So there, Joe Biden goes hard in the paint <laughs> over there because the the response is, do the journalist is like, do you really think that your sanctions are going to be stronger than bullets and missiles and tanks? And Biden's like (laughs) getting ready to score up going, yes, better than our bullets and missiles and tanks in Ukraine. Absolutely. Because again, here, we don't want to go to war. Joe Biden, we gave him credit for getting a lot of heat from the American media last year in August of 2021 for pulling out of Afghanistan. And that was a tough call to make. He could have done that better and cleaner, but for like three presidents before him, uh, Bush, Obama and Trump promised to get out of Afghanistan. None of them did it. And so the buck stopped with Joe Biden. And he was the first president in 20 years to finish what W, arguably HW, arguably a president before that started. Right. And so I think Joe Biden is starting to create a could be again. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but right now where I'm standing, he's starting to create a legacy for himself where He's not going to take no shit from the warmongering media if he he is going to try to taper down these conflicts, because I think he understands that Americans are sick of this. I think I hope. But based on what this press conference was and Biden getting closer to, oh, I know Joe's doing that off the cuff thing, I think off the cuff he's speaking. No, you're not going to go me into a war. No, you're not going to force me to say something that I don't want to on this. And that is a relief. As as leftists, we should be relieved that a U.S. president is not being a war hawk when the media is feeding him opportunities to, and most presidents usually take the bait.
1: 100%. Um, it was kind of funny that we were both watching that press conference and we were both kind of having the same reactions because I pretty much liked everything that he's had to say. Um, I think there's also another part of this that Joe Biden and the kind of the American establishment is realizing that this is not something that, this is not a situation that they're gonna necessarily take the lead. Um, There are other parties involved that are, that have a lot at stake, especially Germany. Um, You know, Germany made a big decision by suspending Nord Stream 2, where they get, I think, you know, 40% of their gas from Russia, uh, from Nord Stream 1 there's There's going to be other parties involved. so I, it, it seemed like, although he didn't necessarily say it, um, it seemed like what he was doing was kind of saying, look i'm 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 talking to you about sanctions. We're not talking about anything else, and we're part of the reason why we're not talking about anything anything else is we haven't talked to the other parties about anything else. Us, Germany, France, whoever else is involved, u k, probably Ukraine. They don't want to make this situation go, be any worse than what it is. So we're talking about sanctions. But it was crazy to see those people in the media in that press room, luckily they're wearing masks. Um, the only guy I liked was a guy from India. He was just like, oh, have you talked to India yet? And, and it's, it's a relief to hear answers that feel like a real answer. Whenever Trump talked to about anything, you felt like he was just being disingenuous the entire time um, or just being completely narcissistic. When the guy asked about India, he's like, I, I don't I, we haven't talked with him yet. Somebody asked about China. He's like, I don't have an answer for that yet.
0: Um, yeah in, and thought, in, in, like the, i want to be specific because I, I don't have that india clip right now like ready for us but like the, the, it was it was a good moment in like there was an indian reporter who after all of this other warmongering bullcrap i'm going to like play for us at the very end um at the very end of this whole thing the indian reporter was like hey if you talk to india because they're a major player here that they may be they may see some interest on russia's side they're not necessarily in the bag for you know the uh nato sort of alliance necessarily right so fair question and uh joe biden's like i don't know yet and then china joe biden said specifically i'm not prepared to comment on that so i think that's a deeper one right there uh Mm -hmm. but i appreciate the -the off-the-cuffness i have a few more clips here because what i really want to illustrate is how war hawkish the media is getting and again joe biden homie ain't playing none of that shit and i really i'm so happy okay uh here's here's some more
1: president biden if sanctions cannot stop President Putin, what penalty can?
2: I didn't say sanctions couldn't stop him.
1: But you've been talking about the threat of these sanctions for several weeks now. Yes,
2: but the threat of the sanctions and imposing the sanctions and seeing the effect of the sanctions are two different things. Okay, are two different things. And we're now going to — he's going to begin to see the effect of the sanctions.
1: And what will that do? How will that change his mindset here, given he's attacking was so Ukraine Because it will so weaken we his
2: country that he'll have to make a very, very difficult choice as whether to continue to move toward being a second-rate power or, in fact, respond.
0: There he goes again. Like, if the sanctions don't work, like, what are you going if to... If the sanctions can't stop him, what can, is basically what she's doing. It's like, yo, sanctions are barely in place. Let's Bravo TV watch what happens before we talk about the next step, all right?
1: Yeah, I mean definitely he stuck to his guns um you know i i feel like this is my first time really s- watching him speak I, I i think like i feel like i've avoided that the entire presidency because i'm just like who cares but this seemed important um and yeah i mean i was uh, yeah, I, I mean obviously i've seen clips of things he said but like just sitting there watching the speech itself and yeah he was like you said he wasn't playing it um I do want to say something too about um, what he said about Putin wanting to reestablish the Soviet Union, and that's a kind of common narrative. And I think that notion is coming from an anti-Soviet Union place. I don't really think Putin's trying to reestablish the Soviet Union necessarily. If if
0: I want to be clear, because like we had this distinction earlier, I think I don't think Putin, I don't think Biden is coming from an anti-communist place. Because Not
1: like no I, yeah like an anti-soviet union place um okay. yeah because for for better or worse the soviet union was something that putin has no interest in being um the soviet union like i said for better or worse especially domestically it was um you know an entity that would support resistance movements worldwide um would support countries against colonialism against um you know, all kinds of different things. So many movements around the world were supported by the Soviet Union from Nelson Mandela to uh, Castro's Cuba to, uh, you know, in Angola, all over the world. Putin has no interest in that. He likes power and he likes, you know, wealth for him and his buddies, but he doesn't have any interest in like being a force worldwide against America. Absolutely not.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Okay, I want to go to this next clip. It's also really good. Mr. President, if I can, you detailed some severe and swift new sanctions today and said the impact it will have over time. But given the full scale invasion, given that you're not pursuing uh, disconnecting Russia from what's called SWIFT, the international banking system or other sanctions at your disposal, respectfully, sir, what more are you waiting for?
2: Specifically, with the sanctions we've imposed exceed SWIFT. The sanctions we imposed exceed anything that's ever been done. The sanctions we imposed have generated two thirds of the world joining us. They are profound sanctions. Let's have a conversation in another month or so to see if they're working. Dude,
0: this is is the Joe Biden that would like actually drum up support. Can you get this? Can you get like this about canceling student debt, please?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that would have been great if somebody asked him about that.
0: it's like hey, hey your crane that's very interesting but while i have you student loans um he's like yeah 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 get those out of here too <laughs> yeah if, if we um, can get uncle joe on this kick it's like one of those things where like oh you got to ask dad when he's in a mood if you want to buy the video game
1: exactly um uh, yeah i mean it, it's just really a shame i mean and I, I feel like i've talked about this on PowerPoint so many times when during the iraq war i watched cable news every single day for at least 3 years and they they loved that war like they loved it they all had the same rhetoric they all just were they, like they knew that they were making so much money off that war and like and it it feels like those some of those people in that room like they just remember that time like, oh, it was great. You know, we had, there was just so much money coming in. We, we were going on these assignments. I got to tell these stories, not thinking at all about the casualties of war that actually affect people and how it affected people all over the world, soldiers on either side. But yeah, they're just like bloodthirsty. Like that's going to be the best thing ever. If there's a war and I get to go cover it and be on the ground.
0: Yeah, it looks good for their careers. It's something that they can, you know, elevate and talk about. But there's a there's a real cost to war. And you know, what? you know what? I would love if a lot of these uh, journalists got this intense questioning on housing and homelessness, or climate justice, or you know, why is Joe Manchin the why is Joe Manchin been the president up until this month? Right? Like these are questions that I would like the press to be come with this type of smoke with but instead uh mr biden why aren't you starting world war three sooner mr biden why aren't you agitating vladimir putin mr biden why aren't you it's nuts i have one more clip but like i also want to start to talk a little bit about the um right wing response and uh the uh, a little bit of the left of left of left wing response as well but last last thing um here because uh Uh, Uncle Joe with one last smackdown. I didn't think I would like Joe Biden this much. When it comes to fighting against the uh, military industrial complex as it stands in the media. Now, keep in mind, Joe Biden just uh, signed an increase in America's military budget. All right. So this isn't like um, Dwight Eisenhower Joe over here calling out the military industrial complex. Right. Quite the contrary. In fact, quite the other side of Dwight D. Eisenhower (laughs) in expanding (laughs) the military. Right. So. Um, but it's important that in the media where a lot of people are getting these messages that Joe Biden is actively fighting, not just being on the defense of these war narratives, but actually fighting them and going on the offense and saying, no, I'm not going to fall for your games. So here's that last clip here.
2: What's the risk that we are
0: watching the beginning of another cold war?
2: And is there now a complete rupture in U S and Russian relations? There is a complete rupture right now in U.S.-Russian relations if they continue on this path that they're on. And in terms of a Cold War, that depends. You have the vast majority of the rest of the world in total opposition to what he's doing, from Asia to South America to Europe to around the world. And so it's going to be a cold day for Russia. The idea, you don't see a whole lot of people coming to his
0: defense. I think that's... Fairly true, at least from the outset, what we're seeing right now. People aren't rushing to Putin's defense, I I think. And I've I've heard a take from um, a certain YouTuber I'm currently going after that I actually agreed with that was that, listen, Biden could have made this kind of clearer rhetorically if he said, look, on behalf of NATO or like whoever from NATO says this, we are not going to try to push for Ukraine to be a part of NATO. That would be a symbolic thing to say, but it would have been extremely utterly clear if it wasn't more unequivocally so already that Vladimir Putin is acting not on some belief or some distrust of the American And European military hegemony of some distrust that, oh, they say they don't want Ukraine to be part of NATO, but in reality, they're trying to proxy me and box me in here. There's no room for anyone any potential ally of russia even believing that kind of thing if the idea of ukraine being part of nato was off the table rather than there was this thing with ukraine you know maybe flirting with nato having this you know junior membership that could grow into something else maybe you could have been a little bit more unequivocal there but i think it was already clear if you read the tea leaves listen we're not going to try to do anything active or move forward with nato and ukraine just try not to make it so um just Russia should not invade Ukraine. Otherwise, that's going to escalate into a different situation.
1: Look, that that uh, partnership thing, I'm pretty sure Colombia has that partnership thing with NATO, too. I don't really think it's that serious. Um, but yeah, that was uh, when he said it's going to be a cold day for Russia. That was kind of funny.
0: Um, <laughs> that line is kind of hard. I, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah, um, I In response to the
0: Cold War question.
1: Yeah. I think that the only countries that I've seen say anything in support of Russia was Venezuela. Um, I I would assume Bashar al-Assad did. I don't know. I didn't read anything. I saw Maduro say something in support of Russia. Um, I guess the big one we're waiting to see is whatever uh, China says.
0: Yeah, that will definitely uh, be bated-breathing that one but uh, a few more things here so l- l- let's just kick pack the uh, republican talking points here of course the republicans are trying to war hawk here but you have uh I- i'll get to their dear leader in a moment but you have a lot of republicans saying oh you know donald trump kept putin in line or donald trump did this uh would or donald trump would have had this response or that response l- let me take this one at a time all right let's take the argument that donald trump would have responded to russia with more force and vladimir putin wouldn't have done this uh a donald trump hid his conversations with vladimir putin from the united states in like uh intelligence he, he had secret conversations with vladimir putin where trump came back to the united states and was like oh what happened and trump was like oh don't worry about it I, I, i'm not gonna tell you to to his own country and, and if they would make a conspiracy theory about Joe Biden or Obama or like any democratic president doing it and it would totally work and we would have treason trials in Congress within the end of the week even if it <laughs> were a Thursday all right <laughs> like like but but so the idea, like, y- you go through and, you know, I'm not going to bring up Russia Gate and the Mueller investigations. Like, I think there's substance to them. I think there's a lot of stuff that was overblown with them. But you got to look at those and say, okay, Donald Trump definitely had some sort of or thought he could build some sort of friendly influence with Vladimir Putin. It definitely would have been anything adversarial. B, okay, let's take that adversarial thing for granted. Let's say, okay, Donald Trump would have responded to Vladimir Putin with troops. So are you supporting... Donald Trump using American military intervention to invade Russia because that's a dumbass move not only is it a dumbass move Trump was supposed to be the Republican that bucked the Republican orthodoxy by saying Afghanistan's dumb and I'm going to pull people out of Afghanistan y'all simps fell for that Uh, I guess I can't say that on Twitch Whoops. y'all suckers fell for that (laughs) And (laughs) and yet you're saying that Donald Trump would have responded more forcefully get out of here get the hell out of here bullshit yeah. no way yeah i mean
1: they're gonna say trump would have been you know he would have done everything perfect but um you know what what what
0: could he have done there, there, there's what could he have it, done it, at this it, point he, to me better than biden
1: yeah really i mean he, he'd have to do the exact same thing um And I feel like even the whole thing where he was, I I don't know if this guy was president at that time. Forgive me for not keeping up with who's president at what time in Ukraine, but at least I'm not saying the Ukraine. Um, But, you know, he's trying to make backdoor deals and stuff like that and, like, um, contingent, selling weapons to Ukraine. And to be honest with you, I remember many times Donald Trump saying, oh, I was... I was hardest on Putin than anybody, but then saying, oh, we're going to be friends with Putin. This guy, his rhetoric was all over the place. So how is somebody on uh, Fox News going to say what Trump would have done? He doesn't even know what he's going to do himself.
0: Yeah, he said in one of the worst times, yet things we'll just completely forget, but I love we do power report so we can just record these for the record. Uh, uh, Trump said that He applauded Vladimir Putin's efforts for uh, moving troops on the eastern border of Ukraine and like saying that he would have done a similar thing. And so it's like, okay, dude, slow down. So you're saying that you support Putin's arguments? So this has to tell you that Republicans in general, they're talking out of their ass. We know they're talking out of their ass. But if they were speaking accurately and they were falling in line to Donald Trump, they would turn around and go, what Putin is doing is great. Because if Donald Trump were president and Donald Trump were talking out of his ass like that, then... (laughs) god this would be so weird where putin thought america was an ally in an invasion of ukraine and thankfully again elections have consequences thankfully we are at least not in that situation okay uh jimmy Dore, be damned but i mean yeah trump called it genius yes he said that's what what i'm trying to get at yeah and then that was a little bit before that was when the troops were mounting up That was hours before the troops ultimately started invading and killing Ukrainians on their own soil. Genius move by Donald Trump. And he's the leader of the Republic.
1: He probably knew knew it was going to happen.
0: He's the leader of the Republican Party right now, right? So like we're in 2022 right now, we're in February 2022. We might pine for these moments and times right now when things were so calm and tense and and, uh, less tense relatively because... Uh, this crank Trump has already gone on an, an anti-semitic rant since being out of office that people totally missed about you know the Jews owning and controlling the media that a lot of people just completely stepped over like uh, America is in that period that Germany was in before Hitler got into power again this is, there, was, there was an off period there was like a oh, you know we're not doing that he's gone that was weird right alright we, you know never again And it was happening, bubbling over the soil. And it's not like this surprised people in Germany, right? This was happening and happening, but you had a public that was rendered powerless by their political establishment to respond. And a political establishment that was frankly too oafish to realize the severity and the seriousness of the situation. And so these things have consequences. You see it in Russia and you see it here. But I would be remiss if we finished this segment without Bam talking about tankies. So... Uh, oh, and that, so that's that's a big issue right now is you have, in addition to uh, fighting these arguments uh, from the right wing that, you know, Putin's great or Putin's bad and Trump would have been better or, you know, let's raise American military aggression in general, you're fighting the elements of the democratic party who are also trying to raise military aggression. You're also fighting elements of people who call themselves divorced from politics, who just are above it all altogether, who, um, you know, identify as communists sometimes, but they're basically saying that, thank you, daddy Putin (laughs) for (laughs) invading Ukraine. I mean, I'm probably being unfair, but bam, you, you, you can go into it.
1: No, I mean, honestly, it almost sounds like that. Um, like I, (laughs) I I could read these tweets verbatim, but do it. uh, All right. Somebody, I'm not going to say his name, but um, he's saying on Twitter, conflict been ongoing for eight years after a U.S.-supported coup instilling neo-Nazis into the National Guard and government of of the Ukraine. Ukraine breaks the Minsk ceasefire continually for eight years, killing citizens and defensive militia in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. And somehow that's submitted from the Western media narrative as if the Ukraine, like many US supported allies, is, uh, we put Israel in um, brackets, hasn't been steadily building towards this conflict with its outright fascism and now the geopolitical understanders of Twitter doing the state's work for them. And, you know, that's a lot. Like, that's a mouthful. Um, but for me, like, and, and I don't know who these people are. I don't know if, if you call yourself a Marxist or a communist. I don't know if that would make you be someone who's also anti-war. I don't know. But it's just interesting to me that you have all that to say without saying that it's bad, like like without saying war is bad. Um, another person, reminder to leftists attacking Russia, RE international law um the Ukrainian crisis started with the US CIA backed neo nazi and snipers killing people, occupying government buildings and forcing the elected president to fr- to flee since the US since then US puppet governments killed 14,000 people in Donbass. Um I don't think I I wouldn't think that there's anybody who really refers to themselves as a leftist talking about international law because we know that doesn't really exist. Um and the last one which one, this one was the most disingenuous to me and it was like, ugh, you're really killing me. I hope when you guys say solidarity with Ukrainians, you mean specifically not the neo-Nazi fascists, right? Like there's neo-Nazi paramilitaries in Ukraine. So solidarity solidarity with them or... And for that one, I would just like to say that I don't think anybody that is in this person's feed is talking about solidarity with anybody other than civilians. And I think this person knows that, but it's just that really, really deep cynicism that you see in like some parts of the far, like who refer to themselves as the far left. You see a lot of cynicism. And I'm just like, when you see an invasion, when you're seeing fighter jets and tanks rolling into a place, uh, you know, other than the training ground, Like, like, all I'm thinking about is civilians that are going to be dying or going to be traumatized or or, who are in fear. Imagine that somebody you hear that siren and you're hearing jet fighters, you're going to be terrified. Your kids are going to be terrified. Nobody's talking about what happened in 2014, nobody even cares. They just want to live without being traumatized by a potential war. So, you know. I know, you know, you're the super duper leftist and you got all the answers and you know everything that happened, but it doesn't make what Putin's doing okay. Because for sure, whoever far leftist you are, your politics don't match up with his in any way. He's totally fine with a neo-Nazi if they're on his side.
0: Yeah. And there's a totally valid point, not an argument, but a point. To be made that a lot of times when America is sending arms to these groups to fight Russia, what they're actually doing is arming uh, neo Nazi groups inadvertently or purposely. Because in America, (laughs) uh, Americans work very, like the government works very consciously with right wing uh, neo Nazi organizations in the United States. That's very well documented. We're going to continue to document that on Power Report. That is very different from the idea that, oh, America is arming. Inadvertently or not, r- Ukrainian neo-Nazis, therefore, Russia is are the good guys. Like You can't view politics in that binary of, of a way, especially if you're going to be an American jumping into world politics. It, it's a difficult thing. Um, it's something that I don't think I'm perfect at. I don't think Bam thinks he's perfect at either. It's something we're both all trying to get. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, actually, you know, Bam's pretty perfect. Maybe we'll see about that. But <laughs> we, overall, it's something that we're actually trying to get better at, but Being covering world news and why we do it on Power Report and why it's something we're good at and why it's something we continue to do is because it requires a level of discipline. It requires some experience. It requires a good knowledge of history and a willing to understand that. But it also requires really having enough thorough knowledge and doing enough education reading to see what people are like on the ground and what isn't covered a lot by regular media. And it's not just enough to go in the patterns and say, mainstream media is lying to you. What's really... Because these just become patterns that get co-opted by the left or by the right without much thought to it. But in reality, there is a logic and a thought process to have with these things. And you need to follow the people who are willing to take you down that thought process. And you yourself as a viewer... Not, probably not the viewers of Power Report and the listeners of Power Report because y'all are awesome because you're here, but for the tankies out there, for those who may be a little bit more disagreeing of what we're saying, it, it involves a discipline about politics and a little bit of a understanding of the realities of the situation.
1: It, 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 like, it requires a sense of humanity. You know, we're not yeah. looking at a game of risk. Like, people are really going to suffer from an invasion. War is bad no matter what, and two wrongs don't make a right. I am of the opinion that America is the great Satan. America has done more damage across the world than anybody and continues to. But that's not going to make me say then, well, because America did that in Libya, then, it, you know, whatever. Russia gets to do what they're doing in Ukraine. Absolutely not. They're both wrong. And that's, you would think that's not difficult. It shouldn't be controversial. You shouldn't feel like, oh, no, I got to I gotta say that. I got to, like, talk about everything that happened before. before. Like, no, dude, like. People are going to be damaged for life, you know, and it and it, yeah. and it speaks of a sense of privilege, too. Like you, you can't even. Uh, yeah, maybe you've never been through any kind of sense of terror or war or whatever, but you can't even think about what that might be like. You know, people who are just, you know, they're in school and stuff in high school, whatever. And they're like, hey, next week there might be a war, dude. Like, what?
0: They can't imagine it. It's beyond their imagination. I want to say, Salmon Dragon says, "Thank you both for in-depth discussion, solidarity, and love." Out to all the innocent, non-violent humans involved, as well as the good faith community here. Thank you, Salmon Dragon, and um, same solidarity and love to all of the good faith humans out there. I wanna show I wanna end here with what to watch out for. So some of the things we're looking out for as this um thing continues. We'll continue to cover it on Power Report as well as all the other interesting topics I have planned for the show um, coming in the next coming months and uh the rest of the year. But I wanted to finish off with uh a vice news. Their world news um coverage has been phenomenal over the years, and I wanted to finish off with um a piece they posted uh to Instagram about how Ukrainians in the U.S., feel about Russia's invasion, and I think that's very similar to a lot about how uh, Ukrainians on the ground feel about Russia's invasion. And I, it's important to, I think, help us to put ourselves in that position, realize what is being fought for here, and what's really at stake. So let's play that. It's unbelievable it's awesome.
1: what
2: is happening in Ukraine. Awesome. Yeah,
0: So it says in the late hours of Wednesday night, Putin launched a major military assault on Ukraine and threatened instant retaliation to any country that tried to interfere.
2: Well, there's a deep hole in in, in my heart, and uh, I can't believe what's happening in the country that uh, my heritage is from. I think basically we're bewildered. My generation is living here comfortably, and we've had ties to... Our people are in the back. So we're, we're really bewildered. Our forces resist. Thanks to Americans, thanks to Yeovah, thanks to NATO, thanks to the country who supports us. Our boys resist and they will stand there to the last because that their land, our land, we will not give it to Putin.
0: And what they're chanting there at the end is together we are many, we can't be overcome. And so this was from a protest that was in the United States. Um, there are these protests in major cities by um, Ukrainians and allies in um, Ukrainian Americans and allies in support of what was going on um, globally. And yeah, I, I feel I have um, some Ukrainian friends who have been um, very insightful and in giving me a lot of like knowledge and information to try to do right by this coverage. Um, and yeah, my heart goes out to them and their friends and their families, uh, much like how we interviewed um, uh, Aziz Azhada in the Afghanistan episode. And we heard about his friends and his family who were actively trying to deal with a, a crumbling state and infrastructure there. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. It's tough to I think Americans should take a long, sobering look because this kind of stuff happening in our country is not that far off. But it's something that we need to really kind of be present and and realize as we also begin to kind of think about and look forward. So, um, bam, you have a comment here that I kind of want you to kick things off with, but basically saying like, if... Russian ground troops come to face to face with your Ukrainian civilians outside of eastern Ukraine, outside of the territories where in this weird backhand deal kind of way, Putin has made a deal with uh, the leaders of those states to basically those states separate themselves from Ukraine and then Russia comes in and takes them over, thus eating into Ukraine's sovereign territory. Basically, if ground troops face Ukrainian civilians, that's when you feel it'll get more real. Please elaborate, Bam.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've written what to watch out for. And I was thinking about the media um, for people here, but just thinking of the war aspect, um, you know, when you start to see video of, you know, Russian soldiers face to face with Ukrainian civilians, uh, you know, directing them or, you know, searching them, and, you know, that tends to look like a real occupation. I feel like at that point and 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 also outside of like those eastern uh, regions you know if that starts to happen I I don't know all the you know Ukrainian cities like that but um you know if that starts to happen closer to the capital closer to other big cities that are off the kind of uh off the border of Russia or or Belarus I guess um yeah I think that that might be the time where you know certain European powers in the United States of America and whoever else wants to get involved might might, might have to make a hard decision you know are we going to stop this occupation from happening or are we just going to let it happen um and yeah I really hope it doesn't get to that point um but you know, I guess being hopeful is silly I, I don't know is it silly I'll do it internally
0: no I, I think it's important to express what we hope for because that's that this is the brink. Really, um, this is, we, we want to be hopeful because the alternative is definitely um, a series of things. It's a bridge we'll cross on Power port if we need to, assuming the internet's still up. And so um, I, I also think that, yeah, I mean, there, that's another kind of thing I was joking about, but to look out for. There are other ways that warfare can be done. There's economic sanctions that are happening. There have been talks that, you know, maybe have been hyperbolic, maybe haven't been, about the ability for Russia to mess with the power grids of other countries, United States included, and taking, you know, infrastructural warfare, cyber warfare in that context. And so there's definitely a number of other things that can happen at play here before it escalates to a bulleted conflict with, you know, weapons and things like that. There are a number of different things out there. But every one of these non, you know, direct person-to-person violent conflicts here escalates like... this could be the lead up to the first drone warfare battle totally. Like, I I don't know if that's in the cards, but we could be getting that point where, okay, let's robots versus robots who you got. Like, um, I, maybe it's me being, this is definitely me being a little like speculative and fantastical here, of course. But I really believe at this point that what, what Bam, you're saying is pretty accurate that once you see if like civilians have to start packing, which could be happening very soon because, uh, civilians are being handed out guns and weapons to defend themselves. Should they need to, that could be a very serious situation. Civilians are already having casualties and facing death. So it's not like that part's already been crossed already. These people are emboldened. But, uh, one thing I was seeing was just all of the horrendous malicious articles that are like, um, stocks to watch during the U- Russia, Ukraine conflict. Um, the best cybersecurity stocks that are at an all-time high, kind of what I was saying right now. The capitalist economy and the capitalist machine is going to capitalism and it's going to machine its way along, and that's for sure. But I feel that another thing to watch, another thing to be wary of, will be if Joe Biden and the Democratic Party continue to... Well, actually, yeah, first of all, if Joe Biden continues this line of, I am not going to push aggression. I do not want to push aggression. And, corollary to that, will the Democratic Party fall in line with that? Because it, it, it's it's a big question mark. I, we already know on the show we've kind of given up on the Repu- elected Republican Party because they are mostly, even in a foreign policy context, uh, motivated by making the Democratic president look bad. But on the Democratic side, you have a whole bunch of politicians who have defense contractors in their districts who have energy contractors in the districts a lot of people who have a lot at stakes Cybersecurity contractors in the districts a lot of people who have a lot of stake at wherever this could go and honestly it wouldn't be that bad for their own individual bottom lines if there were more work to be done such as a more drawn out conflict here so Those incentives are all throughout our economy and they are coming left and right at Biden. Speaking of our economy, gas prices, that's going to be the most direct thing, even though it very rarely is the direct result of a president. The fact that Russia supplies so much of the world's oil is going to impact gas prices. And that's going to be something that the American public directly looks at the president for. And so there might be policies to alleviate that. It's definitely not going to be. I mean, the optimistic side is that it pushes us to more towards climate change and green energy sooner. And I think the climate justice movement should seize this opportunity to push for energy independence as a defense strategy. However, (laughs) climate justice is something the left wants. I'm not going to be too optimistic about that happening, even under a war context. What I'm saying is, from a political standpoint, if you're going to fight for an issue and you're going to be a single issue person, that's totally fine. In fact, for individuals, I often support that. Being a news person and Caring about all the issues is kind of brain bending, but if you're going to do that, look and how look at how you could market climate justice as a matter of national security. It's a little grimy, but you'll start to. Get on people who go, oh, I'm not thinking about climate change very often, but I am thinking about war a lot. Tell me more about how we can defend our country from Russia. Oh, well, you know, one way to defend our country from Russia is to make it so we aren't so reliant on their oil. And why should we be investing in this oil anyways? We should be building uh, solar, wind, renewable energy that we have in abundance in America. That way we're not economically or politically reliant on these rogue nations for their energy and we can be more reliant for ourselves. You don't have to promote war in that, but you can message it in a way for the warmongers to maybe peel a couple of them on our side for some green energy projects here or there. That's the game of politics.
1: It It, it is. Uh, you sounded grimy saying that, but I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think those movements will, will be really important in uh, Germany and um, like European union because they rely on Russia a lot for natural gas and different things. Um, so yeah, I hope that they're you know taking that to their leaders in you know the European Union. Um I- I'll say this too, like this is a bit the last thing I say and like what to watch out for. Um the media, like r- r- the Russia is really good at manipulating media, um putting out really just like lies. Um, you know, I remember 2014 though. We don't have any troops, uh we don't have any troops in Ukraine, and it's like there's pictures, dude. Um, there's videos. Uh, they're taking videos of themselves in Ukraine. But um, so just watch out for all kinds of crazy things in the media. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, you know, there, there's a sense of like going with your gut like what kind of feels right, what kind of sounds right. Um, don't jump to any conclusions. You know, be calm when it comes to anything. And, try not to be, you know, all in the depths of social media getting tidbits of information about what's going on in Ukraine through Russian aggression.
0: Yeah, that's that's certainly true. I want to emphasize that for regular viewers is that um we are no longer in the world of media gatekeepers. You can essentially see all of these sources the same way the journalists are if you log into twitter and follow the right people that's not a great thing and i don't encourage regular people to do that i think that i'm 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 very careful and wary not to sound gatekeeping myself and saying only certain people can and should do this but if you are not in a position to either speak from these things educ in an educated manner in an eloquent manner in a way that might impact people If you're you're just following this information, A, you're not going to be able to most likely sift what is real from what is fake because even the experts have trouble doing that themselves. I have trouble doing that myself sometimes. But it's difficult for an individual person to process, for an individual person to really do much about that stuff. And there's a sort of numbing effect that, you know, breaking news disasters happen. It's why the news focuses on car chases, on uh breaking news wildfires all these other different things they're great for ratings if, if i if i want to just like th- there's so many different ways i could just boost my numbers in a really cheap way on, on the show That in the ways that other people do and like you know i try to do it with a purpose when i do do those things but most of the time i don't because it's not what i'm interested in and i don't think it's what my audience is interested in as well but news And news people and news producers know how to push buttons in certain ways to get you, the viewer, to pay more attention. And so you have to be a smart news consumer and realize there's a lot of noise right now. And it's not always beneficial to immerse yourself in all the noise. Just get some sources you really trust. Follow their coverage. Also look out for their coverage as well because just because you can trust them right now, this is also the opportunity where they can mess up and show their true colors and yeah be a smart news consumer we're going to try to do our best on power report here now and in future episodes to make sure we're informing our audience and using the best sources as possible but there's such a thing as too like inundating yourself with the news too much news consumption and i've done a lot of uh previous work on that um and there's a point where it does doesn't do as enough for you there's a point of diminishing results to that and so those are the kinds of things to watch out for. That's much all I've got to say. Bam! I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, try to keep yourself calm. Don't stress out too much, and you know, tell the people you care about you love them and love hard. War is bad.
0: Yeah, um, this could be a very unpredictable time. I am actually going to do a segment on Good Morning Bad News, my on um, the TikTok channel that I contribute to. Um, follow on TikTok and. It should be coming out early next week, but there's a lot of concern from millennials, Gen Z people, you know, the, the age of folks who could be drafted, who all sign things on our student loans papers about like basically conscripting to selected service. Um, could this be World War Three? Could this be like, you know, a whole draft thing? And no, I don't think we're anywhere near that at this point. There'd be a number of things that would have to happen for, again, America to... At least American leadership right now to be motivated to get into that kind of armed conflict and then to put troops in that armed conflict and then to need enough troops to start to pull into draft services, because we also have to think about uh, national politics and how that would impact um, things at home but the democrats have a tough election year coming up. Biden has tough election prospects coming up in a couple of years. A draft may not be that popular and it'll give Republicans who have no political ideology at all and everything going in their favor a whole lot of ammunition to use a poor turn of phrase to go into 2022 and 2024 the elections and and to sweep and gain power. And then once the real warmongers are in charge and have a clean sweep in office that's when you get conversations of the draft. That's when it starts getting like you got a civil war, you got a cold war, you got a hot war, like that's world's a mess, honestly. And I don't mean to scaremonger about that, but a Republican presidency in or like a Republican administration in America in this kind of unstable world situation where you also have you know, people trying to warmonger against China and people trying to warmonger against other countries and trying to vie for power here. Listen, it's not good and we need cooler heads to prevail and be in the room. Cooler heads like you and I. Absolutely. Um so uh thank you all for watching this live stream of power report seriously we're gonna do more of these power report live was supposed to be like one of those tricks I had up my sleeve for later this year um, because uh, I want to do more live streams I did thank Dan it's Friday uh, last year and that was a really fun little experiment with live streaming I figured out how to do it um, with another company now I know how to do it essentially on my own really well the way I want it to look and getting better at that and also the way I want it to sound (laughs) and so uh, we're getting better at that as well and so um, this doesn't happen without your support. Here are the ways you can support. If you're watching on Twitch, follow um subscribe if you have a prime subscription that'll help show that there's interest in me doing more of these streams. and um, we'll do more of them because it actually makes me easier easier to produce PowerPoint episodes this way um if you are watching on youtube subscribe youtube.com slash dan from the internet hit the subscribe button if you have the ability to support us financially for the syndicate 23 membership for just five bucks a month you get a whole bunch of bonus coverage we did bonus power report segments for members that they can get go to join.syndicate23.co for all that info um and then on social media follow us at power on instagram where we will be posting more shortly um and then um Power Report WRLD on Twitter. That's where, honestly, we post a lot there because I'm manic on Twitter. And um, <laughs> that's where you can follow us. That's where you can keep in touch on us. I am on Twitter at Dan from the Web. Bam is on Twitter at March Leonard. And we will, too bad. You, you, Your Chiron's been flying up here the whole time. Uh, you will be found. And uh, <laughs> we will be back in future episodes with more Ukraine coverage, but also more coverage of everything else that's going on, in the crazy world of. You know, world politics. That's what we do. It's what we really love and what we enjoy. So what we enjoyed talking about before um, doing Power Report. And honestly, Bam, you and I talked about saying, okay, one day there's going to be war coverage and we'll be doing a political show that we don't want to do, but we'll be doing it anyways. And um, we're here and I actually don't mind doing the show with you, Bam. So I appreciate you.
1: Love you, Dan. Belgian Dan, my hero.
0: All right. Love you, Bam. Love you, everyone in the audience. Um, and love you, citizens of Ukraine. Stay safe.